Hello, I'm Tracy Picard. Welcome to Stories from the Hub, a podcast by the Social Enterprise Greenhouse in Providence, Rhode Island. We would like to introduce you to Carol Dohler, founder of Therapy Missions and the 2017 Health and Wellness Accelerator participant. I'm Carol Dohler. I'm the president of the Board of Therapy Missions Incorporated. My background is education in the field of occupational therapy. And that drove me to want to share the knowledge and the skills that I commonly share in my work with students who are trying to obtain a degree as an occupational therapy assistant or an associate degree or a registered occupational therapist for a graduate degree. And really just had this innate desire, I guess, to, um, to share that knowledge and skills in areas of the world where people who are caring for, like a family member, or in a job, a caregiver, a paraprofessional, caring for children and adults with disabilities who never could have access to the training of an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what started my journey and how Therapy Missions was born. How do you provide that training? Is it hands-on or is it through materials? The focus of our training is actually um, a model that we've created over the last 10 years, and that is a teach, treat, and train model. Hmm. To explain that, we felt it was really important when providing our caregivers with information, that we were able to do it in such a way that our professional volunteers could transmit their knowledge and skills in a way that was doable, understandable, and usable for people who were working with children or adults with disabilities. Again, not having any formal training, right? not only in occupational therapy, but physical therapy, speech therapy, and other health services that might just be important or necessary for those caregivers to have access to. So it could be a person with absolutely any type of background. The only thing that they need to have, their requirement, is that they're caregiving for anyone or specifically for someone that's facing a particular disability. No, it's for any population of people who are dealing with any disabilities. Okay. recognize disabilities throughout the world. Very broad range. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could you give me an example of how what that would look like and what type of person you'd be serving? Well, that's a really good question. The caregivers and the paraprofessionals are people who have found their way to work in an agency, perhaps, mm-hmm. that is serving people with disabilities. And ah. in the example, I can give you of an example of a, of a partner, and we call our host agencies partners in various countries where families actually came together and created an environment, pulled their resources from multiple different agencies. It could be the Society for Spina Bifida, the Association for um, Deaf and Hearing, groups associated with cerebral palsy or learning disabilities. Well, they pulled their resources and came together and actually purchased a facility where family members could bring their family, their child or dependent or sister or brother or parent, to this facility and have access to use the tools or equipment that that facility will have. What they were lacking was anybody who had training 
in the area of rehabilitation. Okay. So our structure under the TEACH model is to basically organize professional volunteers from around the U.S. And actually, we have volunteers now who come to us from outside of the U.S. who are willing to give up a week of their time and spend one week on site at one of these partner agencies. I see. Um, and really, basically organize our teaching around topics or areas of concern or need that we've helped the partners identify are most critical. When we select a partner, we actually immediately determine, first of all, that they're capable of seeing change. They're willing to do that within their organization. Their administration, as well as their caregiving staff, are ready for the challenge of change. And that we've found, therefore, an environment that is very rich for the possibilities of what teaching can do. Mm-hmm. And we commit to a minimum of five years to oh, any wow. one of those host agencies, yes. Because it takes time right. to develop first of all, a relationship that people will trust you, that Mm -hmm. you're going to come in and provide them with something that is really applicable to their needs. But the partnership itself is one of the most critical first steps in the relationship. So most of the people, we believe, humans in general, have the ability to learn. Oh, yeah. So we're using that concept of, of teaching and learning. And as I said, being a professor, I'm fully aware of that mm-hmm. in my own um, field. But, you know, the idea that people have a willingness to want to learn, which means they have a willingness to change, mm-hmm. is already the best ingredient. So we really have everything in place, essentially, knowing that can happen. But how to do that has a lot to do with being there and being physically present. Because it's the treating component that we say, let us show you what we would do or how we would do it, do it with us, show us you can do it, follow us, model us, practice this while we're here in front of you. Because when we leave our commitment to you in five years, we know that someone here will rise to a leadership role and then train others. Right. I mean, our project is very much about sustainability and not maintaining necessarily a long-term relationship. That can happen if there's always something new to develop. What we avoid is what we call dependency. And in the field of volunteer types of projects like this, um, you know, unfortunately it's called medical volunteerism, which sort of um, has a negative connotation for us. Because it's really not about the team that's going to volunteer. It's about what we're doing for the people who are there, mm-hmm. receiving the team. That's really our focus. It's, so it's, it's more of an empowerment piece rather than uh, continually doing the same thing over and over. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Okay, that's, that's great. Good. Yes. What, so you're specifically talking about physical activity, or is it broader? Are there different types of activity that you're training people to do? Um, I mean, I think the start is helpful if we look at the focus of physical. Mm -hmm. It's something that's very tangible that you can see change in. But I will tell you that because we're looking at such a broad range of disabilities, uh, if we're dealing with, let's say, uh, we're working in an orphanage Mm -hmm. that is specifically been designed to include residents with disabilities, those Mm -hmm. residents could have autism. 
because sure. residents could have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. The work there is very different because it's not so physically based, but mm -hmm. it may be behaviorally based or oriented. And, and that's a little harder to tease out, but certainly doable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the word therapy just has such a broad, oh, wonderfully so, but such a broad you know, possibility that mm -hmm. it, it's interesting to think it could easily be do these moves or it could be stop doing that. You know, it could be removing something, right? Of course. I mean, honestly, in some cases, and I think about one of our missions in Jamaica, it really was almost recreating an environment and the way ah. that they went about their day mm -hmm. and how they structured it that was so critical to the quality of life of the residents who lived there. Um, okay. So the staff really has to sometimes not just learn something they're doing, per se, to one person, but what their whole environment is doing to right. all the people who are there. So it's very systemic. Very much so. And it infuses into many areas of people's lives. But I think that's what is so critical, that when we take the real essence of what therapy means, and particularly I can speak to this as occupational therapy, because we're trained to really look at people's ability to improve the quality of life through their sustainability in their own function, mm -hmm. whatever that functional level is. But most critical to occupational therapy is an individual's ability to engage and participate in occupations, which are meaningful activities to them. So participation can look very different to somebody who's extremely physically disabled, mm -hmm. but yet could respond by facial expression, could show their wants and needs through their you know, their eyes or their voice changes. Mm -hmm. um, and yet that is part of their participation. That's just as important as somebody who's completely physically capable of doing many different things but can't process or think it through because mm -hmm. of their disability. Right. So it sounds like there's a lot of observation involved that as a therapist and as a professor, you sound like you're very observant. Is that something that you bring into the process? Oh, very much so. Um, we have to, as practitioners, be able to understand the people, the culture, the environment, the obstacles and or the um, influences that support engagement in meaningful activity. We have to be able to see that, observe it, live it. Right. So to be able to do all of this as a di at a distance wouldn't ever be achievable, in my mm -hmm. opinion. We have to really understand what life looks like today for what the way people are living. And I'm not just talking about the people with disabilities, but how the caregivers and the staff are responding to that. I mean, right. it's their job we're really changing. Mm -hmm. But in changing their job, we know we've impacted the change in the person who right. has the disability. But we're not directly offering change to the individual with the disability. We really are doing that through the caregiver. Okay. Interesting. Is there something specific about Rhode Island that made you want to do this here, or is it just coincidental that you're here? Well, actually, it's pure coincidence. I went on my very first mission trip to Juarez, Mexico, mm -hmm. invited you know, through social media and other means that we have available to reach out to people within our profession. I was, I was pretty... Um, set on my goal that it was going to be occupational therapy based and even wanted to, you know, consider calling ourselves occupational therapists without borders. I thought, oh, that would be interesting. We have doctors without borders. Mm -hmm. Why not? 
And then a physical therapist called me and said, look, I really want to go. So could you just expand your years a bit? And yeah. um, fortunately, I said yes, because she is now our vice president of our board. Oh, wow. And had the same experience I had, which was really quite moving on this first trip. We had 13 volunteers come from this area, all within the field of occupational therapy and our physical therapists. Are you and from this area? I'm from this area, okay. yeah. And so this is where I practice and live since I've been certified as a therapist. Okay. You know, and we just, we took this trip and it was moving and it was mm. um, sort of uh, mind-altering in a way, if you will, for us. It was spiritual. It was an exposure we hadn't really had always an opportunity to see back home because of the models of practice that we have to live under, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, Would that be like separation of people by physical space or by law or in a, you the separation was not there because you were living amongst people well the, what I mean by separation or using your word separation I think it's more about in the United States healthcare delivery is very um, organized around how therapists get paid um, uh, yes. So, because of our healthcare system, it really, in essence, almost impacts our the way that in which we deliver care, okay. because we have to meet the obligation that will be reimbursed for our services, and for whether we work for ourselves or work for somebody else, there has to be a means of income. When you take income out of the picture, when you're purely in a volunteer role, you really are doing what you have trained to do, and under the most challenging of circumstances because of the added stress of poverty, which is inherent in all of our partners. And it makes sense because where you don't have educational opportunities, typically involved in areas where people can't access it for a variety of reasons, and right. the economy doesn't support it as well. So we're looking at really poverty-stricken areas. So, you know, when I talk about therapy in its purest sense, it's the way that we really were trained in school. It's it's sort of um, the ideal job, if you will. If we can get paid to do it, it's our ideal <laughs> job. Um, That's a very beautiful way to put it. It's, yeah. it's, it feels that way when you're there. And mm. I think that's what the volunteer professionals experience is what it does for them. They come mm. back changed. Mm. Um, they often tell me stories about how they just looked at themselves as practitioners back in the U.S. in their jobs and said, you know, I, I, I miss some things that... I can integrate into my practice. I can care about my client's culture. I can look more into their life, really their life, outside of this hospital or this rehab center or this nursing home or this school system and say, but what are they really dealing with? Like, who are they? Right. And I think that's what I mean when I say the essence of the the way that we've been trained to practice our rehabilitation skills. It really is about the person, never about the diagnosis. That's a very big picture way to look at it. And it also speaks to how change can be made here, too. Well, it can. And, and I think that's one of our board members talks about it as the ripple effect. Right, um, yeah. You know, what really does happen when you plant the seed? We had a caregiver who worked in a facility in Juarez, Mexico, had no formal training, but is the mother of a child with spine bifida. So she has life training. Mm-hmm. if you will, and I think that's really important to recognize. But never had a chance to take a class, take a course, 
really be educated in rehabilitation at all, and yet she was the primary, quote, therapist on staff at this facility where 30 families would show up for an hour session, and she was monitoring all 30. Now, you tell that to a U.S.-based therapist, and I'm like, well, you just can't do therapy. <laughs> but that's what they had. That's right. what they were working with. But one thing she said to me very early on, very, very early on in our um, in our birth of our organization, was that you, you did two things for us. Therapy missions did two things for us. First of all, we often feel neglected in this world. You know, we're dealing mm -hmm. with disability, and in a poverty-stricken area, you can't throw disability on that too. I mean, we're, people are just trying to survive. So the disabled population is ignored. There's no laws, there's no rules, our kids don't go to school, um, we don't have support. We're all just really trying to make it with this added burden, if you will, of having these, you know, child with a disability. So you really gave us hope because you made us feel like we were important in this world. Mm -hmm. But what we learned is that you planted a seed, but it's our job to water and nurture the plant. That's a great combination of, you know, personal empowerment and getting what they you know need to like you said make it sustainable working together mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so structurally are you a nonprofit and what does the organization look like yeah we are a nonprofit organization we were able to establish that although we started our work in 2007 mm -hmm. when we did our first mission um, to meet the nonprofit status requirement we were in operation 18 months before we received a nonprofit status okay from the government. So in 2009, that's when we were officially recognized as nonprofit. Okay. We've been operating as that. So we've been in operation for 10 years. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And you have a board. We do. Is that everyone on the board is a therapist or not necessarily? Oh, no, no. It's actually important that they're not all therapists. Ah, okay. Because uh, we could be so driven by our uh, emotions and uh, passion. Right. Um, <laughs> no, we really have a combination of people with background in law and business and oh, marketing, okay. communications, web design. We have really pretty, uh, though a small board, there's only 10 of us, it is a pretty diverse group of people who are very action-oriented. They're not consulting board. They're a board mm. that says, we, we, we really are so into this. Let, let me get my hands dirty. But our board is from all over the United States. Okay. And, and then traveling. part and parcel. Well, yeah, because it's how we met them. You know, we met people from around, around the United States and our own board members recruited people from where they okay. live. But that's also given us diversity and, and wealth, I think, in the sense of being able to reach out to therapists from all over the United States, right. um, which is who we reach out to and who find okay. us. Mm -hmm. What are the types of things that you're hoping to work on by doing the accelerator and by participating in Social Enterprise Greenhouse overall in the network? Well, both the um, having Social Enterprise Greenhouse offer the accelerator course and curriculum really couldn't have come at a better time. We were an organization that was, you know, baptized by fire, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, we were learning um, how to really be an organization, a nonprofit organization, and put all of our policies and procedures and processes in order, sort of as we went along, wow. literally. Not that is the best approach, but it is what we did, and still managed to stay alive for 10 years. So I thought that was, um, I guess that's a pretty That's impressive, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've been told. We kind of lost track of the years, but yeah, 10 years went by, and here we are. And when I received an email uh, 
essentially advertising or offering the accelerated program. I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to apply. We're ready. We need to do something formalized. And as I started the application process and the interview process, which I really appreciated because it, it really forced me to sit down and think very clearly and very focused about where do we want to go next. I um, think that's an excellent part of the process. Yeah, that's, and it's a big one. And I think mm -hmm. um, both the focus and the direction is really critical. I know for myself I can tend to want to touch everything at once and then not feel in the end necessarily accomplished as much as we want to be. Right. But I think more importantly, the, the board members that we have right now are so in tune to where do we go next? Like mm -hmm. We need to really focus on our longevity. And we want mm -hmm. to keep this thing alive. As I said, you know, two of us, uh, the vice president, uh, Janet Jacobs, and myself, really put together this nonprofit, you know, 10 years ago. And yet, and today we say, there'll be a day we will retire. Who are we handing this off to? We don't want this to stop. Right. It's just too powerful. It's just been so incredible to see the lives that have changed, both from the workers as well as the organizations, the institutions, the communities even at large, changed so much in such a short period of time that if that's possible, I, I just would love to know that this thing lived on beyond us. It feels like what you're saying is that it's such a gift to be able to to work on this. You know, I can see as I'm talking to you just yeah. that you really, you're really bringing to me, not everyone does this, you're really bringing to me the way you feel about it. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. So how can people get involved or learn more? Do you have contact information? Oh, we do. Well, we have a website. Okay. And that's www.therapymissions.org. Okay. We're actually in the process of redoing our website, modernizing it, so to speak. But okay. <laughs> all of it is live and in place anyway. Until, and there's like contact information. The contact information okay. is all involved in there. Okay. We have a way that anyone who wants to volunteer or get involved has an opportunity to just basically fill out an inquiry form. Okay. And we follow up with those inquiries within 48 hours and start communicating with whatever level of involvement somebody has. I mean, some people locally truly help us with fundraising and, and building our infrastructure through the funds. Other people then, you know, inquire about being a team member and okay. going on a short-term one-week mission. There's a lot of facility. ways to get involved. Oh, in. very many. Ways. Okay, Absolutely. good. Well, I'm very excited to hear about this, and I just wish you the best for your accelerator experience. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. And I definitely look forward to see how this evolves over the future. So do we. Thanks. <laughs>